What's up, all you beautiful people? How you doing? It's your boy Hobart coming to you today, Monday, November 15th. Winter is here. Got a little bit of fog today in the East Bay. I love that. We usually get so much sun, so it's nice, nice to have an excuse to just kick back, snuggle up with a little blanket, drink some tea, smoke a bowl, take a load off, <laughs> at least in my world. Um, how y'all doing? I got a special guest for you today. My man, Anthony Walker is here on the Bartcast and, uh, and we're getting into it about all things financial. Uh, Anthony ha- is a very educated and in-depth person and just such a just such a kind soul and uh during the pandemic he started a like a web content series just talking about financial literacy trying to bring the message to his community and and then a an apparel line and a merchandise brand uh that accompanied it and he's just crushing it right now I met Anthony a couple months ago on a commercial set. We just started chopping it up and and I just felt like a kinship with him right away. He he was so as you'll see in the episode, he's just a good communicator and a fun person to talk to and I, we just connected right away on a lot of values and you know as a content creator, you know, just kind of starting out on my own path like I need more people that are doing that type of stuff in my life. And every time I meet someone who is finding their own way with it, I'm so fascinated to talk to them and to try to learn uh, how they're doing it because there ain't no playbook for this. Um, Yeah, today we dive into all sorts of financial topics. Anthony kind of schools me about, uh, you know, the basics of investing, uh, crypto, and and just basic financial literacy and uh we kind of we jump into some of the you know cultural aspects as well he does a lot of his work in the black community in his community and so that was really edifying to learn about as well um and he's just a you know like i said he's just a good dude so so much of the work he's doing is getting people inspired about their own financial literacy so without further ado let me introduce to you my man, Mr. Anthony Walker, on this episode 39 of the Bartcast. Great to hear from you. What a surprise. Say in here, you know. Yeah, man, make, me, make me feel more comfortable. <laughs> I know. I always. Shoes. I might take off my shoes too, man. You a no please, shoe house? I'm a no do. shoe household kind no, of guy. No, I know. I've been trying to implement that. I've implemented it in my mind, but realistically, I want to do like the Japanese style, like right. Yeah, you my, know, especially when we first the next party we have here. I want to try to do that because otherwise, at the end, like your kitchen floor looks like a mm-hmm. like a nightclub, you know. Mm-hmm. And, 
I've been to so many parties lately where there's just a pile of shoes out front. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. Absolutely. Like, you know, so. My wife is half Japanese, so we, that's definitely, ah, that's okay. part of our lifestyle for sure. Like, they don't, they don't do it. They don't walk into the house without shoes on. You know right. what I mean? Common sense. Still that. Yeah, <laughs> like, why would you do, I mean, you know, to the front, but that's it. Yeah. That's what's yeah. up. Hell yeah, man. Well, well, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the Bartcast. Good to have you here in in studio. <laughs> yes, sir. Our, our humble beginnings. Um, but uh, you were talking about how you have just you just got some land outside of Vegas. I did. Well, in December we'll pay we'll pay off the last payment. We we're on like a two year plan or something like that. Where mm-hmm. me, it's actually me, my mother. My little brother and my sister, those are my mother's three children. Okay. Um, so for Christmas, she actually, one of those Christmases, I don't remember what year, she put a down payment on that piece of land. Um, wow. And, you know, we were able to pay it off, you know, as a family over the however many years, right? And uh, December, it'll be paid. That's a, that'll be cause for champagne? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's a little, it's, it's probably like, it's three acres. Um, we all get one acre, essentially, me and my siblings. Nice. And uh, it's in Pahrump, Nevada. So it's probably like 45 minutes south of Vegas. Okay. Yeah. So it's a cool, it's a cool thing. A lot of, it's it's obviously symbolic just in how my parents raised me, how my mom raised me. Like Mm -hmm. she, she wasn't really able to acquire much when I was, you know, when I was growing up, she was a single mother. So she really, you know, we got the rent and that's it. You know, we're food and that's it. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes we didn't have those things. Right. So uh, she didn't get an opportunity to acquire um, anything to really pass us down throughout my young life, right? But now that, you know, we've matured, she's matured, you know, we're a little bit more kind of settled, um, she was able to purchase something. And throughout that whole time, she's always given us the mindset and always always given us the, uh, the I guess, just the mindset of what ownership looked like, how important land is, um, just how important principles are when it came to finances, Um so that I, I think that was, that's that's going to be a really it already has been it's going to be a real really cool full circle m- moment for you know my immediate family to be able to experience my mom accomplish that right yeah um, something that she's been kind of speaking on in different ways forever how inspiring is that to see like to see because I have a similar story you know I was raised by a single mom and I've watched her go from working two jobs putting herself through school mm-hmm. uh and then now at like age 60 going back getting their masters and now she's like composing Dope. which is what she wants to do right like mm. classical music so yeah. the art runs in the family huh yeah we're all artists okay <laughs> yeah we're that's all dope. weirdo artists that's dope and my dad was a musician and my brother's a musician and we all play music but but like i've been getting to watch her this last year have some really big milestones in her life and it's just, it's so inspiring to see mm-hmm. that even at that age, there's still fruits to be harvested and there's still, I mean, even just to change your career, she was a teacher and going mm-hmm. to, to, to doubling down on being a creative. And mm-hmm. I'm sure for you too, listening to your story, like that's got to feel so good to see your mom achieve some of her dreams. Yeah, bro. It's a model, man. Like we think that we're so old or grown up, you know, I made 33 in March. So Hell yeah, bro. Yeah, we think that we're we've uh, arrived to some sort of adulthood, but the reality is like it's a great. That's a my mom's is laying a great example as we speak of like to keep living and 
thriving and, you know, pursuing what you're passionate about. And I think your mom is similarly kind of laying that foundation and, and, and leaving you a blueprint. Like, we're still early in the game, right? Right. Like, it's, we're still young, man. Yeah. We, we got a lot of time, hopefully, you know, God yeah, willing. Totally. Yes, I, was, I was just having that conversation with my brother, like, a couple nights ago, you know, because he's, he's been, like, this prodigy musician his whole life. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I'm 33 too, as well, and mm-hmm. he's 31. He's starting to think, like, you know, do I actually want to be, like, a professional artist? Do mm-hmm. I want to make music my career? You know, he teaches that's how he makes his money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it made me think about like my own ambitions, you know, and where I'm at in my life. I'm like four years into videography mm-hmm. and things are just starting to get to a place where I'm like right on that. I've just kind of taken off trying to support myself from it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I kind of I have this vision of where I want to be in 10 years. Mm hmm. And after like a decade, like uh, throughout my 20s, like, you know, how many different projects or or art forms, I knew I wanted to do something creative. And so like there were so many different attempts at trying on different hats with that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, different arts. Could I do this for a living? Could I put all my energy into this? And finally, like landing on this art form that I really enjoy and that is uh, lucrative that can provide the type of lifestyle that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have this sense that like, I'm kind of at a time in my life where like, I don't really want to shake the S at your sketchboard again. Mm. Like I'm four years in, like mm. I'm kind of, I'm committed to this dream mm-hmm. and I don't like, I think at this time in our thirties, it really is time to lock in and put in the work and, We've been doing a lot of experimentation in our life, and I always will be. There will always be other dreams, mm-hmm. but these last couple of years, I've felt like almost this like primal drive inside of myself to like, like it's time for me to like get my thing in motion, mm-hmm. to make it happen. To to you know, when I think about the future, I was talking to my my homegirl the other night, who's a financial planner, and she was talk kept talking about retirement and my retirement plan, and I'm like, well. I've spent the last decade trying to figure out a career that I don't want to retire from. Mm. So like my plan is to work. I want to be able to work till the end, till Mm. the end for Mm -hmm. the rest of my life. And I found something that I can do that I love doing that. I think I will be happy to do Mm -hmm. like late into my life. And, uh, hopefully we'll have, have the uh, financial situation where Mm -hmm. it's less about necessity and more about choice. But, uh, yeah, absolutely, man. As a as as the owner of a company called Finance Friday, we got yeah. we got to unpack this just we a little do. bit, please, just a little bit, bro. Because yeah. I'm similar to you in that I'm really a dreamer. I'm really a, a philosophical thinker. I'm really a visionary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is like complete opposite of what I was purposed to do, right? I'm purposed to to, I, and I think I just learned this over the past year, right? I'm purposed to help communities increase the amount of wealth that's within them. Yeah. Help distribute those resources in a way that's, um, that's equitable. And when I say communities, I tip, uh, first and foremost for me is the black community. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I understand, I mean, obviously my father's black and I understand our plight. Right. And I understand that we're most at need, um, in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. but the goal is to organize 
our resources and, and to increase the amount of wealth that we have as a community. Um, and like I said, allocate it in ways that's equitable in ways that'll grow the, the heartbeat, the, the, the vibrancy, yeah. um, of black people in America. And that's a lot of what we need, right? Like we have a lot of, uh, a lot of things that are avoidable if we just had our stuff together, so to speak. Right. And a lot of it I think is, is, uh, lays on the financial foundation right and i think if our financial foundation was stronger there'll be a lot of things that happen with us that wouldn't happen right as mm-hmm. far as just violence gun violence yeah. um or things that are happening that don't need to continue happening yeah right? absolutely yeah we could absolutely uh we, we could change it for sure right can i can i ask you a question real absolutely. quick absolutely you know this is one of the big words of the last five years and it, i think it's like it gets thrown a lot around a lot but it's rare that we actually sit and unpack it so i was just curious like from your perspective with your, you know, experience and your background, like what does that word equity mean to you? I mean, that's a great question. So like my wife, she works in she works in academia. She works in higher education. She uh, she's a counselor. You know, she's at, at UC Berkeley and she actually she's like the assistant director. But in her mind, she's a counselor. Right. Yeah. But she, yeah. But she kind of runs <laughs> helps run one of the departments cool. um, at Berkeley. And they talk about equity a lot, too. And I think that when they're talking about equity from a social justice lens or academia lens, I think a lot of it has to do with distribution of resources. Right. Um, And the way that that those resources haven't been distributed equitable um, and and maybe even. I mean, yeah, I I think that's what they're talking about when they're talking about equity. Mm -hmm. I think there's a piece of that when I'm talking about equity as an entrepreneur and a business person that is a. that we should tie in that definition on some level, right? Because it's not enough to earn equity for ourselves. And I'll talk about what that means as mm-hmm. a business person, right? Sure. Um, it's not enough, in my opinion, to to build up equity for ourselves, but there's other people that need that equity, that cash flow distributed within our community, distributed to them in different ways. So to me, that's a good piece of that, right? A, a good piece of the social justice academia um Definition. I'm not somebody else that's an expert there could probably go mm-hmm. more into it, right? Yeah. But this is my observation. But equity from a business perspective is ownership. It just comes down to ownership. And I think that the two keys, um, that the two main things, if I just had to boil them down, that could help propel the black community forward from a financial perspective. Obviously, there's other issues we have to tackle is equity, which is ownership, simply ownership mm-hmm. and cash flow. If we could, if we if we owned and controlled significant amounts of resources here in America, then we would be more secure. And if we not only own those assets, but we were able to cash flow from them, then those I mean, that meets our needs. It meets our our, our, our next generation's needs mm-hmm. with the ownership and the equity. And it meets our needs with the cash flow. What, what is cash flow? Cash flow is just so say you have a podcast, right? Yeah. Say it costs you. 500 a month to do this podcast, but say you bring in 600 a month, mm-hmm. your cash flow is a hundred dollars gotcha. on so that particular. Profit, is it the same as profit? It's, 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 it's very similar to profit, but cash flow goes both ways, right? Cause if you, if you spend $600, but you get back $300, mm-hmm. then it's a negative, you know what gotcha. I'm saying? Negative okay. cash flow, right? So it's just that, uh, it's like the, the difference between what you spend and what you make. Gotcha. That's it. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's the, the other thing that's important about it. Cause usually profit is, we talk about profit over, you know, net net income. We talk about that over like years and quarters. Like cash flow, I think is more so a monthly thing, right? Okay. Like, what was your yeah. cash flow this month? I mean, it's a yearly thing, it, also, but it puts into mind this 
like paradox I've had for most of my adult life uh, when I think about investing mm-hmm. and I hear people talk about you should be putting money away you should be investing your money make your money work for you I never feel like I have money to invest right there's a common story I'm sure you've talked to a bunch of people that have that same thing when you talk about investing and what I've come to understand is that a lot of it is my like this poverty mentality that I grew up with single mom always talking about how poor we were Mm. Uh, as I've become older and I've had more experience and seen the way that friends of mine have grown up and how they make decisions and how they think about moving their money around and investing I realize that it's not the same. They don't have the same narrative in their mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, earlier you asked me, you know, why did I ask you to come on the podcast? Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that I've heard you say in your videos and in the conversation that we had, because, you know, for the audience out there, me and Anthony met on on a uh, commercial set a couple months back. We we had a couple conversations. And so that's kind of one. That was one of the things that struck me as I'm beginning to examine my own mindset and my mentality when it comes to money when i think about what's possible in my life Mm -hmm. and kind of the it's kind of like none of us remember how to like learning language learning english Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and that's why english was easier for us than if we tried to learn a new language now Mm -hmm. and i think it's like that with financial literacy for a lot of people Mm -hmm. they grew up in a family where they're seeing their parents making good financial decisions there's an osmosis effect and just a feeling of comfort comfort with uh, their financial situation. And that can translate. I see my friends taking risks, uh, believing in the system, believing that they're going to be successful. And that allows them to achieve and execute on their ideas. Mm-hmm. Something that I've struggled with. I've had to kind of grow that muscle after the fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you can speak to that or, or how that relates to what you're doing. No, nah, I think your story is similar to mine in that. So for me, like I said, my, my parents were my biggest influence for starting Finance Friday, right? Okay. Because I don't know if I said it on air or not, but basically they were uh, in the 80s where they happened to live at. They were, you know, pretty big time for their area. They were big time hustlers. They're from Sacramento. Mom's from Oakland, dad's from Sacramento, but they lived in Alaska before I was born. Wow. And they were, you know what I'm saying? Like if you could imagine, you could buy things cheap mm-hmm. in Oakland or Sacramento or wherever and sell them for a lot more in Alaska, whatever it is you're selling. So that was their relationship. They spent seven years together um, growing from a financial perspective. Right. And once they once they split, they didn't have much left because, you know, they were getting their money. What I I would say they they were they were getting it ill gotten gains. Right. Right. Fast money don't last too Mm -hmm. long. Right. So I think their story, their story kind of spoke to that. But once they were done, they still had this experience where they, they owned a limo service. They had two or three limos and drivers, and they um, drove around. Anybody that flew into Alaska, they were coming to see them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they were in a uh, – I mean, that's just one concrete example of what they were doing. There's other examples I'm not going to get into. but They, they were business-minded. Yeah, absolutely. And they had Rolexes and Minks mm-hmm. and, and, you know, diamonds and all types of things, right? But by the time I came around, they didn't have any of that, right? But what they didn't do is – glorify what they were doing but what they did do is they taught me the principles and the lessons that they utilized to be successful in that particular life hmm. right um so I, I i believe that i was given a wealth of knowledge um throughout my whole entire life about business entrepreneurship finance but just like you i had a poverty mindset my dad was a little bit better off but he you know he 
you know, he was a little bit better off. But my mom, um, she struggled. So for me, it sounds good what y'all are saying. And like, it helps me hustle. Yeah. But as far as implementing these principles in my real life to create a foundation for myself, I never seen what a foundation looked like in my home. Right. So, uh, I have a very similar story to you and like very similar muscle that I have to keep working towards, um, developing. Yeah. And, uh, I would say that once I started speaking it out loud, I, I, I felt an obligation to pay myself first. Mm-hmm. Right. And pay yourself first means put a percentage of what you make either allocated to savings and savings is a little bit overrated, right? Mm-hmm. But you should have some sort of savings. And then from there, you should be investing your money into, you know, what you feel like is quality investments. Like for you, uh, equipment might be quality investments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's I've an investment. I've been investing a lot in my equipment. Absolutely. Sure. That's a quality investment. If it could bring you back some money, that's a good investment. Yeah. But as you, as we grow, as we get more mature and get older, then we also have to diversify our investments as well. Not saying that you don't ever, you never let go of your dream and you always push for that plan A. But, you know, as we get older, we want families and things like that. We have, mm-hmm. we have more people to think about. So how do yeah. you create a safety net for those people? Maybe it's not about you. Maybe you're good to go. With your camera in hand, you're good. Right. But there's other people that we have to start thinking about. And that's where mm-hmm. I say, um, you know, I, I believe I believe, and I speak on, I don't teach on necessarily, but I speak on investing in the stock market. I speak on investing in cryptocurrency, which is a whole world of itself that I think that we all need to tap into. I think we all should own crypto. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't teach on it necessarily, but I speak yeah. on it. Yeah. So, like, for me, being that I'm not, it's not a deep dive, like, I'm mm-hmm. just getting started a couple years ago myself, right? Yeah. Like, you have to own Bitcoin. You have to own Ethereum. You have to understand that that money's going to go, as money's going to be worth way, way, way more. Your, your Bitcoin and Ethereum is going to be worth way, way more in 20 years. But it's going to have a lot of peaks and valleys yeah. from now to the end, right? right. So. What I do and what I suggest everybody does, bro, is is, is do automatic tra- just do an automatic transfer. If you don't see it, you don't miss it. You know right. what I'm saying? Good point. Every week, every month, just do an automatic transfer to your your crypto portfolio or your investment portfolio, and you can really set it up automatically to where you don't even see that money. Mm. And sometimes it gets bad for me. Sometimes I'm like, ooh, I don't got no money. Like, yeah. hold on, let me hold on, let me check, bro. Like, <laughs> did my did, did my did my uh, deposit go through? Like, yeah. or did my uh, you know my transfer go through? Right, like, oh right. man, they got the my first money. First is coming up. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, yeah. you you make do with what you have, and mm-hmm. that's that's what I've learned from poverty is that yeah. whatever we have, we're gonna figure it out, yeah. right? You gotta it, be resourceful. Absolutely. So for me, that's mandatory, mandatory, mandatory. So let's, uh, will you just tell, first of all, thank you for all that. That was, that was awesome. Um, and I definitely want to dive into those topics deeper, but I think maybe a good, good starting point now that we've, uh, you know, kind of, uh, got the wheels rolling is, is just for all the listeners out there. Like, can you explain, like what Finance Friday is mm-hmm. and how it came into being. I know you mentioned that your parents were a huge inspiration on that front, but like uh, what is it and, and, and how did you get started and, and what are you doing now with it? Absolutely. So it started as a video series, like in the pandemic, I believe like June of 2020, uh, I lost my job in March, okay. like a whole lot of people. And, you know, I was just trying to figure out what was next for me. I started selling life insurance. And as I'm selling life insurance, there's a lot of financial uh, I started uh, studying for the life insurance test first, right? I passed it. And I, it's a lot of financial, uh, uh, just things about finances when you talk about life insurance. And it's just, it's big business, first off. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to tell you the, the thing that that that, t- that piqued my interest is that life insurance, the reason life insurance works is because life insurance companies collect $50 a month or $200, whatever they collect from a whole lot of people 
they take that money and they invest it in the stock market and their money is growing. So by the time you die, right, the law of averages, right, by the time the average person dies, they're able to pay that out because they've accumulated so much wealth by investing this money. And once I learned that, I said, I need to figure out this stock market there. Like, I need to understand it better. Like, and I started studying the stock market. And as I started studying the stock market, I realized that my father, who's never invested in the stock market a day in his life, was teaching me the principles. My mother, too, in different ways, was teaching me the principles that you would look for, the fundamentals they call it in, 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 in uh, studying, like in, in the people that play with stocks. They talk about the fundamentals, mm-hmm. right? That's like the, the underlying things about that stock that make it good or bad, right? And I realized that the fundamentals of stocks are lessons he's already taught me. So, like, one of the first things you look at when you're looking at a, a company, whether you should invest in it or not, is what's their savings, right? And my dad always told me my whole life, pay yourself first. All those other people already have some money. So he was telling me to prioritize myself over even my bill collectors. Maybe I don't need that bill mm. or whatever that thing mm-hmm. is. And that's exactly what the – and basically his point was build up your savings account. So, boom, that's the first lesson. I'm like, wow, that sounds oddly familiar. Mm-hmm. The second thing you look at when you're looking at a stock, and this might just be how I was taught, right? But uh, and just reading the books I've been reading. But the set one of the second things you do, you look at the assets versus the liabilities, and then you subtract it, and that's called your book value or your. Uh, that's another word for it, but that's called your book value. How many assets you have minus how many uh, how many liabilities you have. Yeah. And that's your worth. And my dad always talked about get a truck instead of a car because a truck is an asset, a car is a liability. You can make money off of a truck. Mm-hmm. A car is the only thing you can do with a car is drive to work, right? But that's not you can't hustle after that. Uber you, drivers might disagree yeah, with that, you, but, but this this, this <laughs> but, way pre Uber, right? Yeah, right. You know no, but saying? I see what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. So I'm like, wow. He's already taught me that yeah. in, in a hood fashion. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My dad is hood. Yeah. So in a hood fashion, South Sacramento fashion, right. he's taught me these lessons already. Yeah. But he's never invested in the stock market. So I was at that point, I was like, I need to teach what my parents taught me from a mm-hmm. financial entrepreneurial perspective. So I started a video series called Finance Friday. I did it on Friday. Um, there's no cool reason why I named it that besides that. Like, I yeah. just thought it was a catchy name or whatever. Uh-huh. And then uh, and then I just started with the, the, these principles. And I, I, I laid out, I did 15 videos for my first season. I laid out. What I got from those 15 videos was 12 principles that mm-hmm. I learned from my parents or, you know, other observations, but largely from my parents. And basically, I distilled those 12 principles into the framework of my business, right, and the, the educational framework of my mm-hmm. business. And then I put those principles on T-shirts, and we sold nothing but T-shirts for like a year and a half. Okay. Um, not all the principles because it's too much, but five yeah. of those principles we put on T-shirts. Um, and You're then, wearing by land right yeah, now. Yeah, right now. One of those, right? Absolutely. That's That's... <laughs> Um, buying land is important and it's something I'm practicing in my life now. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so essentially I put some of them on t-shirts and I just push these principles. These are my principles. This is what I believe in. I think everybody should know and learn these and we'll have more financial freedom. Right. And the midst of that I created also created another framework cause I realized how helpful it is that if everything rests on these frameworks, then you won't go too far left or too far right as far as your focus is concerned and what mm. your what message you're teaching, right? So I created another framework work called the 10 Principles of Black Wealth. Okay. And that's that's my offering to the black community and how I feel like um, we need to move as a community, not just as individuals, but as a collective. So uh, that's pretty much Finance Friday. Mm-hmm. Now, um, now we're largely a merchandise company, right? Like the way that I get my money is I sell merchandise. That's the number one way I make money right now with Finance Friday. Yeah. And 
almost in almost in my whole life. Really, that's yeah. probably the number one way in my whole life. It's, yeah. it's close, right? But um, but I I I understood how powerful they were and how they could live on T-shirts. They could live other places too, but merchandise is a very again. I have a hustler's background and mentality, so I just like to give you something tangible for yep. what I have. Like I could have went the route of like trying to you know find ways to get people to give me their money for my knowledge or my information right. but right. i just felt like that was unfair and not saying it's bad but like not saying it's the worst thing in the world right it's mm-hmm. okay to sell knowledge and information but i didn't want to do it like that i wanted to yeah. give tangible things at least at first so nobody could so I, nobody could say that they got gypped you know what i'm saying at the totally. end of the day right as, especially as you're developing and learning i think that that's such an important problem for any content creator to solve which is like how do i gain visibility notoriety how do i spread grow my audience and remain authentic Mm -hmm. and i see a lot of people for one reason or another like they sacrifice their authenticity for the short-term dollar Mm -hmm. and and for me it's like i haven't even found a way yet to grow my audience and and to do so that's like the problem i'm trying to figure out right now um, because to me, like authenticity is the token that, that is why should anyone listen to me? Well, I'm being real, mm-hmm. you know? And like, that's like, you know, I think you're, you're building your brand in a similar way. And I know from like my musician friends that merch is like, you know, when they're playing, let's say they're playing at a venue, you know, the, the venue is going to take a percentage of the door mm-hmm. then, you know, depending on the contract, they might get a percentage of the bar, you know, depending on how good their manager is. But one thing that's always a hundred percent going to the band is the merch. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I know for a lot of artists that getting their merch system set up, whether it's comedians, podcasters, mm-hmm. like podcast merch is a huge industry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I could probably learn a lot from you as far as, uh, setting it up if, and when we could, we get to that date. But, but I think it's really cool having the 12, is there a reason why you settled on the number 12? Uh, not really. It just felt like a good number. Yeah. It was 15 videos, and uh-huh. that's just what I felt like I was able to extract from those videos. Yeah. Being concise as possible and, you know what I'm saying, just as strong, you know, concise and strong as I yeah. possibly could. Well, speaking could as someone born on 12-12, I, I got love for 12. It's so. lit. <laughs> it's lit. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, so, like, you uh, – did you – like when you had this idea for finance Friday, did it, how long did it take you before you made your first video? Like, did you, how did that process unfold? That's a great question. Literally the, I probably, it took me probably like two or three months. Mm-hmm. I recorded some videos outside cause I was kind of embarrassed to do it in front of my yeah. wife. Yeah. I had certain friends was like, man, <laughs> I, I'm working on something, but I, I can't, I'm kind of scared to really, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like uh-huh. let the cat out the bag a little yeah. bit. And then, um, Leading up to it, I did a couple practice videos, sent it to my my my, my immediate family, my sister, my mom, my bro, my two brothers, um, and uh, you know they feedback, and we went through the ideation process and things like that. And I finally did the video. I was like, "Oh, I think this is it. Mm. It's Friday." Probably took two, maybe two months from idea to 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 I had a deliverable. Um, That's and my amazing. wife and my wife was like, "I don't know if you should do that video because in that video." I just asked people like, what's your, it was about paying yourself first. Like mm-hmm. if you paid yourself $200 a month, then at the end of the year, you have $2,400 that you never had. Right. So what's your goal? 
how much per month do you want to do you want to uh, pay yourself, right? My wife was like, I don't think you should do that. You're like prying into people's business a little bit. And I'm like, all right. So I took like, bro, I must have did a hundred takes mm. that day. Mm-hmm. So much so I didn't have no more room on my phone. I had to, <laughs> I deleted the first video that I did that I thought it was the winner. But my uh, wife was like, nah, bro, you yeah. probably shouldn't do that one. Uh-huh. Try to try a different approach, right? Uh-huh. And then at the bread, like just before five o'clock, I was telling my brothers and sisters, like, man, I don't think I'm a, I don't think I'm gonna do it. I've done like a hundred takes, da 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 da. And they were like, man, my brother was like, if you, my older brother, if you don't put it out, I'm putting it out. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, bro. But I was like, but I, but I deleted the video. I don't have it anymore. Okay. And he was like, I, I have it because you texted to me the day ah, before. So he sends it to nice. me, and then uh, I just posted at about yeah. five o'clock and. The response was it was overwhelming. Like, That's awesome. Yeah, like sixteen hundred people viewed it. I wow. got a bunch of comments. Did you already of, have like a large social media following? Nah, man. I probably posted once a you know maybe a thousand followers or something. Yeah. I posted like once every quarterly or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, yeah. like whatever. I didn't use my stories at that point in time. Right. Was that Instagram that you posted? Yeah, Instagram. Okay. I posted on Instagram and on Facebook. I had I had more than a thousand views on Facebook wow. too. Wow. And I just felt like I struck a nerve. Yeah. You know. Oh, and that's just, a that's a huge message right there. Uh, I, I I thought so. that's how I felt, and then people just gave me a lot of good feedback. Mm-hmm. And then by like episode six, I was like, you know what? Like, I can't tell these people about entrepreneurship, business, and finance if I'm not demonstrating something to them. That you know what I'm saying? I have mm-hmm. to demonstrate something to them. Yeah. I was like, man, merch is perfect. I already came up with the buy land to pay yourself first. Yeah. Love is currency. Um, so I was like, let me just do some shirts, man. Positive I, messages. Absolutely. And, I, and, and every every step of the way, I've gotten a little bit of validation. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Not a lot of validation, just a, a little bit of validation. Well, that's amazing and, that your family was so supportive because I know there's a lot of people probably listening right now. They're like, man, if I had said that to my family, like I know of a lot of people, you know, even my my own family, like I love my mom. She's super supportive, but there's also fear. Like we were talking about, I had a conversation with her the other day. I had just finally landed uh, a project that like I quoted like the rate that I actually wanted to work for. Right. And it was for a friend mm-hmm. who had their business and it was still below what the market is for mm-hmm. the work. Mm-hmm. But it was like, yes, if I could get paid to do this, I'd be so happy. Right. And I texted my, I called my mom to tell her about that. Mm-hmm. And she got real like right away was like coming at me like, Oh, maybe you asked for too much. Is that going to ruin the relationship? Mm-hmm. And I had to like, stop her and like put up a boundary and be like look this is like the kind of poverty mindset that's i'm trying to break out of Mm -hmm. because i do that to myself all Mm -hmm. the time like i'm am i am i gonna get the work i need the work but and then as i'm talking to her i get the text back and the client's like stoked on what i Mm -hmm. what i quoted i'm like see like yeah like it this is you know you got to value yourself Mm -hmm. it works and and so you know going through that process um it's funny, like listening to you talk about, you know, doing all those takes because I know it's like a truism in the studio when any musician will tell you when you sit down to do your first take, there's a special energy about it. And you only get maybe four or five of those takes mm-hmm. before you start to lose a little bit of that mm-hmm. vibe. And mm-hmm. like bands will like go through like 30 takes or something and then they'll have to stop, you know, and, and usually those it's one of those first couple takes. It's not perfect, mm-hmm. but you like it better, mm-hmm. you know, and either you got to wait till tomorrow and come back in fresh mm-hmm. or you have to live with it, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's cool seeing that translate into another performance context, mm-hmm. you know, like you were talking about. 
Bro, that's super interesting. And also what's interesting is you mentioned like merch with artists and how that's such an important like key. It's a key for them to make money, mm -hmm. especially with all the years of record labels, essentially, you know, pimping out artists. Right. For lack of a better term. Oh, yeah. Just giving them some money, a, a loan up front. Totally. That they had to that they had to recoup on a loan before they could even start to get paid and mm -hmm. gave them a small percentage, et cetera. I believe that my model came from the music industry, right? Mm -hmm. You always hear artists talking about, I make my real money off touring and merch. So I think for me, I was like, let me just add uh, as much value as I can on the front end, similar to a rap or just any type of artist. Yeah. And then on the back end, if you love what I'm doing and love what I'm talking about, just you, you can support with some, you know, by purchasing the merch, which yeah. is dope and getting doper every single day. For you sure. know what I'm saying? So, yeah, and if, if your product... Like people see your videos and they love what you're saying and what you're doing. They like you as a person and you have cool art that you're offering. Like, like that's, that's, you know, I, I've bought like tons of t-shirts off of podcasters that I like both because I like to support them, but also because the art itself is undeniable. Mm -hmm. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's cool shit. So dope sales to sell. Yeah, exactly. Did, did you collaborate with, with an artist or artists to, to create your t-shirts? Nah, I mean, well, my little brother is a graphic designer, so he, he's played a big role in, uh, creating all the, just the, the, the fonts for the t-shirt, you know, making them AI files. And, um, also he's created all my art. I do like cars that come with all of my merch, like mm. explanation of where this principle came from. I give you a little cool. history and, you know, all my handles and things like that. He did all the artwork for all of that. Um, a friend of mine in San Diego did the finance Friday logo, so, uh, man, artists are key, man. Artists, I said this the other day, or not the other day, a couple months ago I said this, and I think it rings so true. Like, artists are the most connected people within our communities. They know the most people, and they're some of the best business people within our community. Because mm -hmm. if you find a way to survive with your art alone, then you've been doing some, like, you, you've mastered a lot of principles of business, right? You, yeah. you know, whether it's... Whatever your thing is, whether it's uh, relationship building or, mm -hmm. um, you know, just adding value or, you know, whatever it is, right? Giving people a certain feeling. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, art, artists are the key, bro. Artists sure. are the key to everything. Well, it's funny, like, you know, I was talking the other day, you know, with, with my neighbor, shout out Forrest, Forrest Stearns, Draw Everywhere. Uh, and we had this conversation. We're, we're getting into some philosophy and we're talking about... Uh, defining the difference between an artist and a creative. Mm, let's talk about that. Yeah. So like a lot of people identify as artists mm -hmm. and as we all know, there's a lot of starving artists. Mm -hmm. So we were choosing to use this term creative, uh, to speak towards cause, cause I believe that, that, uh, that everybody, you know, in, in their own way as a creative, you're a creative, right? Mm -hmm. You could define yourself as an artist as well. Mm-hmm. When I, when I use the term creative, I think of it's someone that is, you know, they're applying creativity in their process, but they're executing on their creativity. Mm. I think a lot of us artists, myself included, get caught up in the dreamscape mm -hmm. and we never do anything with our dreams because mm -hmm. we're, it's so uh, pleasurable just to sit in that space mm. and it can be really fun and exciting. Mm. And maybe you, maybe you do do some art, but like so often where we get caught up is in the production or in the mm -hmm. execution of our ideas maybe we like making the art but mm -hmm. how do we build the container that's going to support that art how do we make art a sustainable practice in our lives and so for, for that's why i'm i've been trying to use this term creative mm -hmm. because i think it's also more inclusive in the in, like i could go talk to a plumber 
Mm-hmm. And that dude's probably a creative because he's mm-hmm. going to go to a house. There's going to be an issue and he's going to have to find a creative solution. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be applying his art in a certain way where he's looking at a pipe system. There Maybe there's a clog or something. And he's going to have to use creativity to, to, to problem solve in a way that another plumber might do it differently. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think applying that lens, recognizing yourself, even I see you, you came up with this idea you went, you recorded a bunch of takes. You went through the process of interacting with your family, of collaborating. You built your brand. You, you're putting out, you're like a dyed-in-the-wool creative, you know? And so, you know, when you're, especially when, I think when you start to interact with larger institutions, it can be really beneficial to have that language ready and how you define yourself that like, hey, you know, if you're trying to get paid for your time, you know, when you're building up, you build up kind of your clout, your status mm-hmm. to the point where people are paying you to create for them. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I'm, I'm a creative. You pay me for, you know, th- me, I'm going to execute on these ideas or I'm going to come up with an idea for you. Mm-hmm. And I have a proven track record of mm-hmm. success in my execution. And I think that for any of us, content creators, especially being able to be really clear on how we value our own creativity because mm-hmm. it's intangible. Mm-hmm. It's really important as we start to try to, you know, monetize and bring uh, and represent our value in the larger, you know, mm-hmm. business business climate and the larger economy. Man, you 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 struck on a whole lot right now. First off, <laughs> I, I went on a tangent. Nah, there, nah, you did that. Everything that you said was so perfect, and it, it's meeting me where. I've been right or where I'm at in a lot of ways. Like I, I've never considered myself an artist. I can't make music. I can't draw. My handwriting is sloppy. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. that is considered art by our society that I have an ability to do. I can't rap. I can't sing. I can't. There's nothing. I <laughs> I think I could act a little bit though. Uh-huh. I, I had a class in college where maybe I could act a little yeah. bit. I don't know. But and that was in college. That was years uh-huh. later, right? But I've never defined myself as an artist. But I absolutely define myself as a creative at this point in my at this juncture in my life. Yeah. Because to me cre- creating is 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 first off if you look at the Bible that's the first thing God did in the Bible, right? He created, right? That's the mm-hmm. first thing we know. Based on the Bible everybody does it. Creator. Yeah, absolutely. He's <laughs> the creator, right? According to, you know, according to that Bible and yeah. according to a lot of other people too. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the first things that he did is he created. So to me, I think he in he put that in all of us as well. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's our job to plant seeds in the earth that will flourish into things, right? Yeah. That will flourish into tangible or intangible things. Um, and so I, I love your your thought process around that and just adding the execution piece to your art. And now you are creative, right? Whenever you can get it in the earth, mm-hmm. you are now creative. And yeah. for me, one thing I deal with a lot where I speak to a lot is intellectual property, right? Mm. And how important intellectual property is and how valuable intellectual property is for the creators and just how we could, how we could keep and monetize our own intellectual property instead of, as opposed to selling it to somebody else all the time. Not saying it's not, right. not, not saying it's bad to do work for hire. Cause that's a beautiful thing too. Yeah. You're helping somebody else totally. uh, execute their thing. But when it comes to the stuff we created for ourselves and our legacy, we have to protect that. We have to find ways to monetize it. So that's like high level. That's my, that's the creative space I want to, the creative and intellectual space that I want to work in long term. Yeah. As far as really teaching people how to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
like I said, I talk about stocks, but I don't necessarily teach right. on the stock market. I just feel like you need way more experience. You just need to, I talk about principles that, mm-hmm. that work in the stock market or work in crypto or work in yeah. business, but I don't teach on that because I don't know. But the intellectual property thing, I'm be slowly becoming an expert on what it looks like to create and monetize, mm-hmm. right? And that's, I just say that to say I love what you're talking about because I'm wrestling <laughs> with, you. I wrestle with that, right? And think about stuff like that. Yeah, well, and, and I see you, like, you're you're not working on Wall Street, right? Mm-hmm. But your art, your creativity is in taking the lessons that you learn as you dabble, as you dip your toes. You're a communicator. Then you're communicating that back out to your audience, to your community. You're saying, hey, I've learned some of this stuff. So I'm going to now be a channel. Mm-hmm. I'm f- going to funnel this information that maybe isn't always presented in a way that is going to be translatable to the life experience of the people I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to repackage it in a way. Like I hear you talk, I've watched your videos and you're telling things, you're explaining things and interpreting things in a way that uh, your target audience can understand. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of the internet, you know, for all the, you know, the um, critiques we, we lobby or we levy against big tech, which many of which are very justified. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't deny that this new online ecosystem that's been grown has given so many people an opportunity to to innovate and to communicate, you know, I'll use the term like forbidden knowledge or hidden knowledge. Mm-hmm. Knowledge that not necessarily even consciously, and in many cases consciously hidden from select populations, right? But also just the way that the system is designed, this is knowledge that isn't, even if it's not designed to be hidden, it gets hidden by the fabric of all, our culture. That mm. it's this elite knowledge that, for generations now, has been kind of privy only to a few. Mm-hmm. And we live in this world where technology has like pushed access mm-hmm. past the boundaries where the gatekeepers were set. So mm-hmm. now we have this opportunity to mm-hmm. like to learn about these things because the institutions were built before the internet came along, mm-hmm. and to share it with new populations that didn't have access to it. I see you doing that. To me, that's like a total creative process. Absolutely. And I love what you're talking about too, as far as Nipsey Hussle said it in the way he said, uh, it's a couple of people, every generation that decode the matrix. Right. When, and when they get to speak, it's like a coded language. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I think that's exactly what you're speaking to. It's like bypassing a lot of, a lot of middlemen or a lot of uh, uh yeah a lot of middlemen a lot of gatekeepers mm-hmm. it's kind of the internet allows us to bypass some of those people but now the the big tech is now the gatekeepers yeah, right? right you got to know their rules totally. you got to understand their algorithms yeah, and how they yeah. do and why they do what they do uh-huh. um those mysterious be, community standards that nobody yeah, really understands yeah so <laughs> it's it's interesting that as humans we always do the same thing we always go through the same process yeah. right we create these systems and then we police these systems and then we, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and they're beautiful at first and then you yep. realize there's a whole bunch of problems that come with them. So now we have to police them and now we have to, it's crazy. The, the innovators escape it and form a new system exactly. and then that flourishes and then the policing, you know, that's Facts. like the, the cycle of growth and decay, right? Man, say that. And I, the, the one thing I would, and that's the one, I might be wrong, completely wrong when I say <laughs> this, right? The one system that I have seen or that I'm looking at currently that might evade that process of decay is cryptocurrency, bro. Okay. And that's that's why exactly what you just talked about, the, the cycle of growth and decay is the exact reason 
I love cryptocurrency and I think we all need to be invested in it because people don't the the decision making within the system is limited to people, right? You can make you could build things within that system, right? But besides that, what's valued the most is the most decentralized the least people permit the most permissionless they call it hmm. systems are valued the most in that realm can right you, can you i i heard the words but it didn't nothing went in can understood you yeah yeah, that yeah let's it? let's let's work i want to understand what you're saying yeah so cryptocurrency is based on one main premise right it's cutting out large institutions from our money okay right what we can 100% in favor of that okay yeah <laughs> We all are, right? Yeah. On some level. Uh-huh. Um, because there's something called middleman by uh, convenience, I think it's called. But basically, you have to. You don't have to go to a bank to get a loan, but nine times out of ten, you're going to go to a bank to get a loan. Yeah. Like brokers, just middlemen, banks, mm-hmm. uh, insurance companies, all those things. Right. What cryptocurrency has done is they've cut that middleman out and they've allowed people to exchange independently of those middlemen, mm. right? The okay. system... The system is based on rules that were laid out before people ever got there. Does that make sense? Yeah. And those rules aren't changeable. Like they always, they talk about how the, uh, the executive or the, not the executive branch, but the, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, where our money, the federal reserve, yeah. the federal reserve, they say is, is, is controlled by 12 men. Right. Right. So they mm-hmm. make all the decisions on how much money we print, mm-hmm. how much inflation, all those things. The thing with cryptocurrency, it's based on a software. So the rules are already laid out ahead of time, and you know exactly what they are. You can uncorruptible, create, supposedly. supposedly. Yeah, we yeah, think yeah. so, right? Or right. we that's that's the that's the the pie in the sky vision. Yeah. But whether it's uncorruptible or not, there's value there, yeah. right? And you could build forks or other things on top of those systems, mm-hmm. but the community tends to value things that are have less permission. Mm-hmm. Permissionless is what they call it, meaning that there's nobody else making decisions on your behalf, okay. and where it's essentially automated. You do this, we do this. You do yeah. this, you know what I'm saying? We do that. Did that make a little bit more sense? It did. No, thank you. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I understand. And, you know, the. I think that, like, the do- democratization mm. of access to money and to wealth, like, like so much of. I see so much of the inequality uh, present in our society today all stems from the banking system that we have in this country. And I see, you know, I do personally have a lot of faith in like the weirdo internet, like tech savants, Mm -hmm. not big tech, but like those weird individuals that are like hyper intelligent and have like their own kind of radical ideas. Something about like the old, like when the internet first got created, like those, early, I'm, you know, I, I grew up like you in the nineties and early two thousands when like the internet was just like the wild west, like weird mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And to me, there's something of that spirit in me of like wanting, like, I'm not a huge believer in large institutions of any kind. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm kind of a libertarian in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that even that word has a lot of, uh, associations that I may not subscribe to I have a very specific, uh, understanding of what that word means, but that is to say that like I'm I'm suspicious of large institutions, mm-hmm. of centralized authority, mm-hmm. of of anything that's claiming you know that's trying to control large amounts of people. Mm-hmm. So 
what's bigger than the Federal Reserve and our federal banking system and, you know, these, these entities that have been guilty of just about every mm-hmm. terrible thing in history you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So seeing the system come along where, where like, you know, these kind of tech, techno-nots, you know, innovators are like, hey, it doesn't have to be like this. We can create a new system that gets rid of, uh, you know, all the evils of that and, mm. and, and seeing people that are actually building wealth on it mm-hmm. and, and getting fired up to, uh, you know, to engage in their own like financial success, I think is beautiful. I think we need to support it. And, yeah. And I mean, everything you could do in the traditional system, they're mm-hmm. building it out to where you could do it in this decentralized system. Right. So like normally they call it, uh, like banking yourself. Right. So if mm. I have, say I have, just just use dollars for the sake of conversation, right? Yeah. Say I have a thousand dollar, or just say ten thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, right, or Ethereum, or whatever the whatever the currency is. It doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. They're creating systems to where I could lend that ten thousand dollars out to other people and gain interest on that money. Where traditionally our financial system did that. And all right. and all banks do is similar to what I told you that what life insurance companies do. Right. They collect all our money, they yeah. sit the money in there, and they invest that money. So they're growing, they're getting a return on all of our monies while our money is stagnant in the, within their institution. But we believe that it's necessary based on the world that we you know we're born into. Mm-hmm. But now they're saying, oh, you could you could you could lend money yourself. Not only can you lend money yourself and cuss out some cuss out that bank, but you could also borrow money against the money that you had, the currency that you have in here. Mm. So I, I don't know what the percentages are. I haven't never borrowed, borrowed right. anything, but say I have $10,000. I might be able to borrow 8,000 of my 10,000. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just by, by saying y'all hold on to this money. I'm going to go do my thing. Yeah. And it doesn't, there's no application involved. There's no, you can and, accrue capital in this new system. Yeah. And there's no application. It's mm-hmm. uh, I forgot what the name of it was in the crypto world, but it's mm-hmm. basically, um, authenticating your, your, uh, who you are, like your identity. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, in the best parts of crypto, you don't have to do that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to do anything. So that means it's there's no there's nothing. St- if the rule is that you get 80 percent of your money, yeah. If you're borrowing, you put that 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 ten thousand up, and you're you're borrowing against that collateral. If the rule is you get 80 percent, you get 80 percent. Right. There's no application. There's nobody yeah, to talk yeah. to. It's part of a uh, I can't think of what the word is, the protocol. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why I think that crypto is so important. I speak on it again. I don't teach on it. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously I'm still in the early stages. I feel yeah. like in my learning and understanding, but I, sure. I, I speak on it because we need to hear about it. Right. Totally. And how important it is. That's, for I mean, that's really the only way to learn about it. I, I, I see, uh, I heard a really cool application of it with regards. It's going to bring it back to like the music industry, mm-hmm. but you know, a, a huge issue throughout, you know, the generations for artists is like, their music gets replayed. It gets to the topic of intellectual property, right? And their music might be played in all these different places illegally, technically, mm-hmm. and they're not getting—they're not seeing any of the money of it, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to go fight with a lawsuit, spend a bunch of money to try to recoup whatever it was. With crypto, I've heard, let's say I'm artist A and I release a track. Attached to that track is my crypto account. Mm-hmm. So every time that track gets transferred between users the way that the protocol is set i'm getting a percentage mm-hmm. so like it can't be uh distributed without the artist getting paid mm-hmm. and i think that that could be applied to like such a wide array of art you know like it, it's such a cool opportunity that in the future that that people really will be able to 
mm-hmm. make residual income off of their creative efforts. You know? Yep, residual income and, and retain ownership. Because mm-hmm. even when you talked about it at first, where artists aren't able to aren't, aren't able to collect what's due to them, a lot of the times it's and that's part of the reason why uh, why um, record labels were important because they they do a lot they push those papers and a lot of that legal stuff they'll go do it on your behalf. Yeah. But a lot of times the artist doesn't even own the intellectual property, right? They might get paid a percentage, but they don't own it. Mm-hmm. necessarily it's not not all the time i think yeah. now we're starting to get a little bit wiser but yes uh, traditionally Tor- definitely yeah tory lanes for example i'm not a big fan of him because i he might have shot somebody he might have <laughs> shot a woman i wasn't yeah. there yeah, but i'm not yeah. necessarily a big fan of him because right. that may have happened i don't know but uh but he he sold he sold his last album as an nft i, I don't know if you heard about that but uh, I, I i didn't but yeah so basically what he did is he sold a thousand a million copies for one dollar each okay right which it's devalued a little bit because there's so many copies out there, right? I think he executed it well though because he made a million dollars immediately, right? And now when the when when the uh, his fans sell or transfer that particular file, he gets it's a built-in percentage that he gets. Wow. It's a built-in percentage they get. Okay. So now in essence, they're it's the all record. done through crypto too. Yeah, it's all okay. done through it's all done through on the blockchain, right? Gotcha. They call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get a percentage, you get a percentage. So now your distributor and your record label is. A dem- like you said, a democratized mm-hmm. uh, nodes, right? A, a yeah. bunch of different people, yeah. And that's that's where, like, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's super interesting space. I advise everybody to learn as much as they can. I know we all have our real lives to do, yeah. right? But just figure out ways that you could apply it to your business and what you got going on or what you're thinking about doing, because yeah. it's, it's definitely some 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 uh, there's some meat on that bone for sure. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, with your permission, I kind of want to shift the conversation a little bit from like. We've been getting into philosophy a little bit, getting up into the high order thinking. Mm-hmm. I want to bring us back to like, um, let's talk about people that, you know, have heard about investing, have heard about this mm-hmm. and have never really considered themselves to be able to get into that world. Like, mm-hmm. how do you start people out or how would you start someone out if they're just like, hey, like, I don't even know if I can invest or if I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm interested. I do want to start building wealth in my life. Mm-hmm. Like what, where would you start with them in that regard? Um, the first thing is, is so open. Let's talk about, let me break down investment in three different categories. Sure. This, this is the way I see it. Right. Yeah. One category is, let's just say, um, stocks, right? Stocks, the other category, and we're talking to regular people without a lot of capital right mm-hmm. now. Right. So I'm going to leave real estate off of this list. Sure. But we're talking about, um, stocks, we're talking about crypto and we're talking investing back into your community or into yourself, right? Paying mm-hmm. yourself or, mm-hmm. or, or putting money where you feel like it's going to grow. Um, so the first one, if, if you're talking about stocks and I'm, I'm going in this order because, um, because I literally, I, this is the order I went in, in real life, right? Mm-hmm. So the first thing you do is you just open a broker's account. Opening a broker's account is as simple as opening a bank. Literally. Uh, you, you know, you, uh, you, a bank account. You said what? A brokerage account is, the, is as simple as opening a bank account. Yeah. I, I, I said, said it wrong. Ban- no, no. You said a bank. I'm like, a bank sounds like it'd be pretty complicated. Okay, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, I just want to make sure Got that you. you're that we're getting your, your ideas laid down. Clear, right? So <laughs> o- opening a brokerage account is yeah. as simple as um, as opening a bank account. Okay. It's just as simple. You could do it online. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Charles Schwab is fine. Um, TD Ameritrade, or like, I'm not even going to push you in a direction, but yeah, these yeah. are names that you might have heard of yeah. that are brokerage accounts, mm-hmm. just just for clarity. Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade. I got this um, app on my phone called Weeble. Have you ever heard of Weeble, it? Weeble, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a brokerage account. That's as well. what I, I bought some stuff. Nothing wrong on. with that. Robinhood yeah. is getting a lot of retail investors involved in trading or mm-hmm. involved in investing and trading and things like that. Um, but I would suggest a, a full service. Full service. I'm not sure if Webull is, okay. but the reason I like them is because you can just pick up the phone and call somebody. It's important. Yeah, yeah. About my money, I want to be able to call somebody. Like, hey, bro, what's going on with this or what's going on with that? Right. So uh, get a full service brokerage account that's not only online, but you also could pull up in person if necessary. A lot of them are closed, have been closed during the pandemic. I'm not sure if they've opened yet, but that's the first thing. Get a brokerage account. The second thing is the market, the market since it's open, right? The stock market, mm-hmm. it increases. At about a twelve, a ten to twelve percent rate, I've heard different numbers, right? Ten to twelve percent rate every year, right? So there's something called indexes that follow the market or that track the market. The S and P five hundred is one of them. You probably mm-hmm. heard of it. Yeah. The Dow is another one. You probably heard of it. Um, I can't Nasdaq. think of it. Nasdaq. There we go. Yeah. I couldn't. That's that's the, my favorite one, right? That's, okay. a, that's a tech. That's a tech one. I couldn't think of gotcha. it, right? QQQ is the is uh-huh. the ticker for Nasdaq. But um, essentially. Those things track the market and not they don't track the market perfectly, but they have a specific like the S&P 500 are supposedly the best 500 companies in, you know, in in America based on their criteria. Right. On their performance. Yeah. Based on their performance, based on the the S&P's criteria. And it's it's based on performance markers. Okay. So those 500 companies get cycled out every year to I believe it's every year they get cycled out. So like if you're not performing well, another company takes your place Mm -hmm. like Tesla just. Last year, I think 2020 or 2021, I'm not sure. I think 2020, we're just entered into the S&P 500, right? So that's an example of a company that met all these markers and these parameters. Yeah. And now they're entered into this. So that, we know, increases at about a 12% uh, accrual rate a year, right? So if you're very new to investing, it's very simple to just start putting a certain amount of money. They call it a dollar cost averaging. So just every month or every week or whatever your time frame is, buy a certain amount of of uh, shares in the S&P 500 or in, the, in an index. It could be the S&P 500. It could be the NASDAQ. NASDAQ is focused on tech stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dow, I forgot what they're focused on. Like some, I don't know. Um, the NASDAQ is focused on tech stocks, S&P 500, top 500 companies. So you could literally just put your money there and your money will grow predictably at about a 12% rate a year. So do- you're giving your money to the broker and then they're deciding where which stocks to buy? Or? No, 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 no. How You're, does that work? You put your money inside of a brokerage account, it's yeah. just a bank account. For, okay. To me, I don't, I don't know the difference, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just a bank account, and then from there, you decide what you want to buy. So you're choosing stocks from within that index? No, or we, we'll get to that, right? Okay. There's two different ways that you could invest as a beginner. I mean, I guess for everybody, mm-hmm. you could either buy individual stocks Right. Or you could buy this S&P five or the, these indexes. OK. I'm giving you the simplest way and yeah. then we'll talk about the more. complicated. Yeah, no, no. That, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in the simplest. Way. Absolutely. And it's not the complex way is not even that complex. Right. But mm-hmm. we'll start with the simplest way. Sure. So if you literally just put your money in the, the S&P 500 and I think the Nasdaq has like the last 15 or 20 years or something it has a 20 percent growth rate over. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So it's okay. outperforming the S&P 500. Yeah. Tech is such a big thing. Right. But you could literally just put your money in that, you know, all 500 companies is being invested into. Right. Or that is tracking. Um, same thing with the NASA. You can put your money there. Dollar cost average buy every month or every week and it'll grow for you at a predictable rate. So what is putting your money into that? Like what? Where is the money going? I guess you're buying you're you're buying shares of this index. Hmm. So 
don't don't give me the line to you and like making stuff up that I don't know. Uh-huh. But essentially, the S and P five hundred, from what I understand, owns a certain amount of shares in all of these companies. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So you're buying shares in this distributed amount of company, like all of these companies yeah. are buying a little bit of Amazon, a little bit of Tesla, a little bit of Apple, all at the same time by investing your money with the S&P 500. Okay. So you're buying shares of the S&P 500 or shares of the NASDAQ. Okay. And now you have a percentage, you know, it might be a small percentage, but a percentage ownership in those companies. Mm-hmm. All of them that go with the NASDAQ. By index. owning a percentage, a share, a percentage in the NASDAQ. Or exactly. In the exactly. Cause they own a percentage of those companies. Gotcha. Right. And don't quote me a hundred percent. No, on that, no, this is, but that's basically how that part. I've works. always wondered yeah. about those different things. Mm-hmm. Cause you see them on TV every time you turn it on or, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and trying to understand how that was different than buying individual stocks. So thank you for mm-hmm. that was really illuminating. Absolutely. And then, so beginners, that's a great way to start, right? Mm-hmm. And then once you start feeling comfortable just going through that process and have and buying consistently, the next thing you can and should do is um, start start um, thinking about stocks that you want to own. What are, st- what are companies that you feel like are going to be here long term, right? What are companies that you use every day? What are companies that you just is like, man, that's innovative. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna make it, right? So you're just basically betting on the future success mm-hmm. of some of the best companies in the world. That's all you're doing when you're buying stocks, right? So like it's a good bet to say Apple is gonna be around in, you know, thirty years, right? They have like billions and billions of dollars worth yeah. of money saved right now. They're right. not even doing anything with, right? Yeah. Like hundreds of billions. I'm not sure the exact number, but it's a lot. Yeah. Right? Um they're a gonna trillion be, dollar company now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so they're going to be around and they're going to keep and they're innovative and people like them and all those things. Right. So that's a good, that's a good bet. Your money's going to grow yeah. at some, in some way. Right. Mm-hmm. Amazon is it's so ingrained in our lives. Amazon's not going anywhere. Um, so you could, you could buy based on common sense. Right. And then like the next step to that is you start, um, you start investigating the, the fundamentals. Right. And the fundamentals of a company is, like I said, how much how much they make or how much cash on have they have cash reserves, assets versus mm-hmm. liability, like their network, their their book value um, or owner equity. It's also called the book value. Owner equity is the same thing. Essentially, it's basically if this company folded tomorrow, mm-hmm. how much can they sell off their assets for and pay off their liabilities? How much money will still be left? Right. So um, long story short, you could you could look at fundamentals if you want to go a little deeper and start investing in companies that are less obvious, so to speak. Right. Um, and to me, that's the way that you, inv- that, that's, that's the simple entry point into yeah. investing in a stock market. Right. Um, Have you done a video yet on this? Yeah, man. I've done a lot of videos, mm-hmm. man. I don't know. Pro- probably so. Cause I feel like that would be such a good resource just like to have a video on like how to like evaluate a company. Yeah, so that's you know? that's where you know I shy away a little bit. Yeah. Like I, I know the fundamentals, but yeah. I'm not gonna act like I just this is what sure. I do. There's yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. This is what they do. Totally, totally. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think more so just. It's just so it's so like it can be so intimidating when mm-hmm. you're trying to get into investing, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I think I know I've done this in the past where because it's such a complex system. Mm-hmm. And there's like, you can go so deep. Like there's people that just spend their whole day with six computer screens evaluating mm-hmm. the data. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know for my eyes, when I jump in, it's like, I get lost in all that. Mm-hmm. And so like being able to start with like, like you were just saying, like where, what I'm interested in 
mm-hmm. even if it's just like I'm going to invest in the NASDAQ. Mm-hmm. Then I build up a familiarity with the NASDAQ. Okay, what are what are these companies? Okay, or I know Tesla. I read it in, about it in the news. I start investing in that. That's going to teach me a level of literacy. Mm-hmm. And I, I see like after a period of time, you start to just by like almost osmosis, mm-hmm. you're learning these how these processes work. You're going to learn. It's just like learning how to set up a podcast. Like mm-hmm. I told you, it took me like a month yeah. to figure out like what mic to use. Mm-hmm. What uh, should I use a, like an interface? Should I, you know, like just all the things. How do I connect video to my computer, to this, to that? Right. It, you know, it, it took me a long time just to learn that. So it's the same it's the same process right so another thing i say is this this is the last kind of thing i'll say about the stock market mm-hmm. is there's two different ways to to participate in the stock market there's um there's people that rely on fundamental analysis good thing about fundamental analysis is it changes quarterly right they come out with quarter quarterly statements so every quarter they're going to tell you all those things and it also comes out yearly so you can just look at a yearly thing you know how much money do they have assets versus liabilities what's their cash flow statement say and like, there's a couple key numbers that you could look at. I don't want to break them down because I'm, right. I'm just going to tell you what something somebody else told me, yeah, not something yeah, I yeah. fully, fully understand. For sure. But it's a couple things that are just very simple that you could look at, and like goodwill of the company, like all just is it a do we love this company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that you could do that every year, so you're not spending all all day long every day doing it. You're just checking sure. the fundamentals every year. You know what I'm saying? Deciding a good entry point, how much yeah. you want to buy this company from mm-hmm. for, and there's there's a lot of um, formulas to do that as well, right? I'm not going to bore you with any of them. No, but um, but that's my whole point, right? Is like what you've just done is taken uh, information that could be very daunting to mm-hmm. someone who's mm-hmm. not in these. Like I see, this is what you're doing, right? Is like I might go try to like listen to someone else or a website or someone that that like understands all these things 100. Mm-hmm. percent But as soon as they start talking to me, my eyes are going to glaze over, mm-hmm. and I'm going to like feel overwhelmed. And I, what I see you doing is you're, it doesn't matter that you're not like a hundred percent, you know, with a degree in finance, mm-hmm. know all these things you're learning as you talk about it. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it makes, because you're being honest about where you're at and you're mm-hmm. communicating that it's made, it's like giving other people like a, a comfort with the fact that they don't know too. Right. Right. So they can connect with you on like, you're like, Hey, I'm just figuring this stuff out too. Mm-hmm. You're actually closer to their mindset then, than someone Warren that's Buffett. been in the finance for game sure. for 20 years. For sure. You know, it's like uh, not all the best, you know, again, I'm bringing it back to music, but like not, some of the best musicians in the world are the worst teachers, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. they can do it all. But how do you tell someone how you do it? I don't mm-hmm. know. I just always did it. Right, you know? right, right, right. And so like, I think that's where so much of the value of what you're bringing is. And especially when you're talking about these communities that haven't had any financial mm-hmm. teaching or literacy mm-hmm. like that becomes such a service, mm-hmm. you know, like how do you speak to someone that has never even thought about it? All they are seeing is like crusty old white dudes on TV mm-hmm. that are throwing like purposely confusing terms around. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So much of it is kind of like uh it's like in academia, like people like to use big words mm-hmm. to sound important, mm-hmm. but how do we get to the root of like where, how these systems actually work so mm-hmm. that we can empower people, we mm-hmm. can allow people to better their situations and their positions. That's right. That's on my point. soapbox moment. Now that's right <laughs> on point, bro. That's right on point. What you're saying is a hundred percent true. And 
the other way that you could invest in the stock market is there's people that trade, right? So those are yeah. the people that's going to be looking at charts all day. Okay. They're going to look at certain markers. Yeah. Um, and based on those markers, they'll buy. And then based on a different, you know, once they make some money or lose a certain, based on other markers, they'll sell, mm -hmm. right? And they hope to turn a profit doing that. That's a, yeah. that's a labor intensive job to be a trader. Yeah. So you really want to know what's going on if you're a trader. But if you're an investor, it's again, it's not hard to identify the companies that, you want to bet like you want that you believe will be around in 20, 30, 40, 50 right. years. It's not hard. That's the slow growth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, 10% a year. So I'm going to tell you the importance of this. Is the last thing I'll say about it's not even the stock market. It's just investing in general, right? Mm -hmm. The importance of something called compound interest, right? It's why credit card companies kill us. Yeah. Because say I put, I told you it grows at 10% a year, right? The S and P 500, for example, the market in general, right? Say I put a hundred dollars into the market this year. If it grows at that 10%, then I have $110 next year. And now that 10% is off of $110 as opposed to $100. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? So first year I added $10 into my account, right? Yeah, like yeah. in interest, I gained $10 in yeah. interest. Next year I gained $11 in interest. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But that compound interest, it, it's the... It's the People say that Albert Einstein said it, but he didn't actually say it. But they say compound interest is the, the eighth wonder of the world. Those that understand it, earn it. Those that don't, pay it. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it, it really is a wonder of the world. Like, yeah. there's a, a cool thought experiment. I forgot exactly how it goes, but people ask, like, would you rather give, would you rather me give you a million dollars right now? Or for 30 days, I'll give you $1 and then double it up every single day for 30 days, right? So $1 turns into two, two turns into four, yeah. four turns into eight. Eventually, I forgot the end number, but it's more than a million dollars. Yeah. That's compound interest. There's a fame, there's like a story from ancient China about like a king who, uh, that, uh, there was a clever guy that like did some service for him. And he's like, uh, how do you want to be paid? And the guy like, you know, basically the same thing. It was like a, like a game board, like mm -hmm. a chess board kind mm -hmm. of situation. He was like, I want you to put a grain, give me a grain of rice on the first day and double that every day for the mm -hmm. month. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the month, he owned the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it. Just illustrating the power of, of, I know I've been under the thumb of compound interest for most of my adult man, life. Man, who you telling, man? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to shake him, man. Even just student loans and things mm -hmm. like I'm trying to shake him, but it's, it's, it's going to be a, a long haul for me. Yeah. But, but uh, I, I had a revelation though, like on this, cause I just got back from a month in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And I had this revelation this one day because, like, you know, during the pandemic the last year, I was like, you know, I was unemployed as a result as well. I was collecting unemployment. Mm -hmm. And there was something with, like, the system where, like, I didn't get paid for, like, a month or two. Mm -hmm. And then I got it all in one chunk. So mm -hmm. suddenly I had, like, this chunk of money in mm -hmm. my hand. And, like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not a great saver. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my first thought's like, okay, I can get some new gear. You mm -hmm. know, I want to invest in my videography. Right, you know? right. Uh, but then as I thought about it, I was like, I got all this credit card debt. So, like, let me pay, like, what if I paid off three grand of credit card mm -hmm. debt, right? Mm -hmm. So I put a bunch of it in, you know, to the credit card debt. And um, what, I, what I saw was then suddenly all these companies expanded my credit lines, mm -hmm. right? And... I'm on this trip in Costa Rica and I'm looking and I'm like, okay, my bank account, I've spent X amount of money. It's getting to a place uh, where I need to start thinking more about my spending on the trip. And then I look at my credit line and hmm. I see like, oh, wow. Like, so what actually is my net worth right now? <laughs> right? Like yeah. I have 
two thousand in the bank, but I have ten thousand in credit. Mm-hmm. And it, there, this like thing, this switch flipped in my mind where I was like, oh, like I have spending power because I've paid off my bills every month. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm still in debt. Mm-hmm. I still got you know thousands of dollars that I owe. But the fact that I've been good with building my credit over ten years mm-hmm. now means that I actually have. A, a spending power that is much higher than I would have thought. And in mm-hmm. and, and that system, there was like a moment there where was like, Oh, this is like one of those like rich people lessons that they learn mm-hmm. is that like you, you hear about all these, you know, that that's always been one of my questions is like these people that are heavily invested in the market. Mm-hmm. Like how do you actually have cash flow if all your money is tied up in stocks? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you hear about selling off stocks to make money or mm-hmm. you get paid a dividend maybe but it never really like registered in my mind that I think for a lot of really wealthy people, they're usually just dealing in credit. Mm. A lot of what they're doing is they have these huge credit lines if they're going to buy something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they also have the investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have cash flow. They mm-hmm. are paying off their interest, their, their, mm-hmm. their investment. But I started to see like debt, not so much as this negative, mm-hmm. like root of all evil thing. Mm-hmm but also as like this useful tool for actually like building more, you know, opportunity in my life by building credit. Yeah, not for sure. It's it's a tool or it's a tool. It's like a gun, bro. Either you could use it to protect yourself right. or use it to kill yourself. Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem. That's the, the, the double-edged sword of it, mm-hmm. right? Is that, yeah, it, it has a lot of people in the chokehold um, to the point where at one point I was like, man, I'm never using a credit card again. Yeah. But if you're intelligent and you – pay everything on credit cards and you pay it off at the end of the month is ideally the way that you want to do it. The discipline that we all reach for. Absolutely. (laughs) If you, if you were to do that, there's like rewards points and all those types of things that Mm -hmm. it could now actually be a positive thing for you. But if you put hella stuff on your credit card, and hold a balance for six months. Like it's going to whoop you in interest. Yeah. It just is. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my simple analysis on, on debt. Double S or do you, uh, I hear a lot of financial people talk about like, paying off your high interest debt before you start investing. Are you someone that subscribes to that or mm. where do you, where do you sit? Where do you sit on that? I, I think that it's a, I'm a both and kind of guy. Mm. I have been in the Dave Ramsey, you know, I read a couple of his books and I was like, there's been times where I'm like, Oh yeah, this is the answer, bro. Like, I just got to pay everything off my student yeah. loans, everything. Yeah, like, yeah. Then I'll be all right. I'll be able to start my life, but right. it's not realistic for a lot of people. It's good for the people that go through the process of the program. But at one point we have to start, um, we have to start, putting our money to work and to me i'm more of a both and guy like let your find ways to have your money growing but also let's pay down that high interest mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying that high interest because there's i mean tesla outpaced any high interest credit card if you would have bought them this time last year right like it whooped some high interest credit cards yeah, so yeah. if you're doing you know what i'm saying it depends on where you're at in the market but if you're investing in intelligently then you could you could win like that right yeah so uh I'm yeah. not I'm not all into one camp or another sure. to be honest. I think it gets more complex too when you're It's one thing to to talk about these things if you're like a 9 to 5 worker mm-hmm. and you have a steady income and you can Man. track where your your earnings are going to be over the mm-hmm. next 5 years. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people do have that sort of financial system set up in their mm-hmm. life. And so these 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 things of like paying off your your credit card every month uh you know those systems are more stable. Right. You know, for myself, I'm like doubling down on the fact that my, like 
I'm working towards a system where hopefully my earning potential is going to like mm-hmm. uh, reach a, a a port where it, it escalates very quickly. Right. Like it, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think you're doing the same thing. If once you In reach critical mass, yep. the idea being that like, hey. There might come a month when I can just pay off my bills mm-hmm. in a month or two, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's also a, a motivating factor, mm-hmm. you know, for people engaged in, in building their their creative vision. It's like one of the things that got me into videography was like there is no ceiling. That's right. Like I could earn as much money as I can earn. Like as I, I'm the only limit on that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's very inspiring. Mm-hmm. And it also means I got to take a look at myself, cold, mm-hmm. hard look. And mm-hmm. like, there ain't, ain't on nobody else, but myself, how mm-hmm. much I make. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's something that's like really liberating about that, but it's also like, okay, time to work on some of these, mm-hmm. these person. Cause so much of it is like personal, you know, I've in the last year, I've really been finding how much, just how much like my early childhood trauma and like the stuff that I grew Mm -hmm. up with is affecting my ability, you know, to, to succeed or to be productive or to feel successful, you know, even if I am, Mm -hmm. how do we celebrate our success? Mm -hmm. You know, those are all, all things I think any creative minded person Mm -hmm. struggles with. Yeah, man. And yeah, that's the cool thing about entrepreneurship is there's no salary cap, but it's also no minimum either. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You could create a minimum as you, yeah. get to that point but there's no minimum so it's tough like yeah I, you know it, it's tough and i think we have like you said a unique opportunity not only to 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 earn a certain earn as much as we are able to produce basically but also we have a, a unique op- opportunity for impact and for me i think that for me that's foremost in my business right foremost in what i do like you would think that i'm a finance guy mm-hmm. i mean it's called my, my company's called finance friday but i don't consider myself a finance guy like mm-hmm. i'm more like a business entrepreneur type guy yeah. right but the point is you would think that i'm most focused on the money but i'm really most focused on impact and uh you know you just don't want to be the person in five or ten years where you look up and you're like man i make so much impact but i'm hurting i'm struggling right, right. you know what i'm saying i'm going through it so yeah. it's just setting up ways to continue to monetize and continue to get the most out of your talents and skills totally. um well your impact is only going to be increased by your success as absolutely. well absolutely right? because you're the example absolutely. you're kind of the test subject of right. all these things that you're spreading to other people mm-hmm. and, and that's what people are looking at too mm-hmm. is like is anthony thriving right you know, and, and if so, then it's going to make, you know, all these messages even more, even mm-hmm. stronger. Mm-hmm. You're kind of still running the hypothesis. Exactly. Right? That's the part. That's the part, man. It's really building as we go. Last two investment types. I just yeah. want to touch on them real quick. Sure. Cryptocurrency. We talked about it extensively. Mm-hmm. I believe every person should buy Ethereum and Bitcoin. If you want to buy other stuff, buy other stuff. Is there a particular wallet or? or so know? Coinbase is the simplest one, right? Okay. Coinbase is, but it's also a centralized, you know, it kind of goes against some of the principles of of cryptocurrency, generally speaking. But um, there's a lot of cool features on Coinbase too. Like you could move your money from Coinbase to a wallet. Okay. Once you kind of learn how hot and cold wallets work. Yeah. They're all like, uh, wallets are basically like password protected. And that's the only way it's like 12, I forgot how many words, like 16 words or 12 words or something. And you have to know those that your pat your 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 passcode or else mm-hmm. you just lose access to that money. Yeah. So uh Coinbase is more centralized. It's simpler to get started, just as easy as starting a, a bank account. Um you do have to do a KP, I forgot what it's called, but like uh show your ID and all those types of things, like authenticate mm-hmm. who you are. Mm-hmm. KYP maybe it's called, I forgot. You have um, to connect it to your bank account too so you can 
have yeah, access to, to money. move money over yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's the simplest entry point. And then from there, uh, you know, I tell people start there and just buy a certain amount. Once you kind of have a little bit of money, then you can yeah. start doing things. Like you can start getting it in different wallets, protecting it in different ways, participating in DeFi, which, um, like I talked about, earning interest on your money and all those types of things. You can start doing those things once you have a critical mass. If you have if you have some real money, some real capital, yeah, then I would say go go you know go learn from somebody. You got to right. really learn to figure out how to you know what to Take do. Take the and training how to do it. wheels off. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that's. That's investing in, in Bitcoin or in, in crypto. And the last thing I just think it's important for us to understand, especially as a black community, um, is that we have to make sure that we're investing in other people, right? Mm. Um, the more seeds we spread, the better chance it is that we're going to reap some type of reward, right? So if I'm somebody and I, I see your podcast, and I'm like, wow, this is real cool. Um, I want to I wanna essentially hitch my, tra- my, 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 uh, my wagon on your train kind of thing. Um, there, you know, there's ways to invest in your dream or your vision and to 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 split some of the some of the money on the back end. Mm-hmm. And all an investment is, is 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 growing is is a vehicle that helps grow your money. So a person could be just as great as an investment or a project could be just as great of an investment as you know what I'm saying, as a company. Right. Only thing is a Apple CEO has a better track record and is a better businessman than Hobart, for example. Right. But but you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. I think that's important for people to understand. Like oh, we, yeah. don't, we don't have to go through institutions to be able to figure this thing out. And I think we've all experienced that in different ways in life, but I think it's important for us to like double down on that. I'm so glad you said that, man, because I think that that's really at the root of, of, of what I'm trying to do with this. I've said it before, you know, apologies to people that have heard it many times, but it's really important to me, like, the big number one goal when I think about this podcast, what I'm trying to do is grow my platform so that I can big up, I can support the other artists in mm-hmm. my community. Like I want people to come on my show and leave with a bump, with mm-hmm. a boost, mm-hmm. you know, like, and the way that, you know, I've been listening to podcasts for like eight years now. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that that's like, been joe rogan's model who's like the Mm -hmm. most successful podcaster Mm -hmm. but i've seen him launch so many careers Mm -hmm. and it's like the rising tide he's being lifted because all these other people whose careers he's like greatly influenced well they talk about him Mm -hmm. they come on his show Mm -hmm. people listen to their shows now and they find him through them they find Mm -hmm. them through him that's one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on because in addition to like the amazing, like the content that we've gotten to make together, mm-hmm. I know that now I have this special connection with you mm-hmm. and vice versa. You can always come on my show mm-hmm. to talk about what you're doing and vice versa. Like to me, that is like kind of, you know, that is one of the important ways to, to grow authentically is to go out and talk to people mm-hmm. to help them with their art, with their projects and, uh, and, and really build the network. Like I, this mm-hmm. is, gonna be episode 39 i think or 40 something like that Dope, bro. so Congratulations. like yeah and i've gotten so many cool connections with different people in different fields i've talked to so many different individuals and entrepreneurs and like i got my hat guy i got my you know yeah. this guy and like it's just so cool to see how people open up in this way and uh and i really like what you said about just you know about investing in people because mm-hmm. You know, you look at at the top, you know, at the peop- the top artists or the top people that are really successful, especially in the content creation field, right? You look mm-hmm. at these, it's, it'll be like a group of a few people that are all creating together, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's under mm-hmm. a brand or whether it's under 
you know, uh, a collection of brands that are loosely affiliated and they all look like it's all, it looks so sewn up, right? Mm -hmm. They all look like they're like, it's been that way forever, Mm -hmm. but then you hear them tell their story and it's like, yeah, we were a group of friends that we just supported each other. Now we're all like killing it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, to, to me, like, that's really what it's about is like, you know, as I grow as a, as a creator, as a content creator, like, I realize that I'm part of this ecosystem and I want to be feeding back into it as much as I'm taking out of it. And that's, that's the word, bro. Ecosystem. Like that's what we're looking to create is ecosystems that make sense. You know what I'm saying? That we could get put into and that we could Mm -hmm. also receive from. Right. So it's the only sustainable way. Absolutely. So I appreciate you for bringing me into your ecosystem. I'm one of 39 or one of 40 so far. Hell yeah. So I'm proud to be a part of your journey and I I hope to see you keep growing. You're very good at this, bro. I'm just going to tell you right now. I was listening listening to an episode on the way over here too, (laughs) but, uh, you, you, you did it. You did an excellent job. Like you're doing an excellent job. Let me say that. So keep at it, bro. And then, you know, we'll we'll definitely double back when it's time. And yeah, no, I wanted to say that about you too. Like you have a great voice for this kind of stuff. Appreciate it. You've gotten it before, but like, (laughs) Uh, the the way that you that you talk is is fun to listen to, and that's so important in this kind of work. Um, before we before we go, just really quickly, can you tell uh, the listeners how how can people find you? How mm-hmm. can they connect with you? How can they find your content? Right. So the best way to find my content right now is on Instagram, Ant Walker three three A N T. First three letters of my name, Walker, my last name the number three, three. And then, um, for my specifically for my business page, if you just are interested in, in, and they're connected, but if you're interested in shopping and, and fly merchandise and some of the, the, the principles we talked about, you could go to underscore, uh, underscore on Instagram, underscore finance Friday, underscore. And that's where all the, the merch lives right now. Okay. And then, uh, those are the two main places currently. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just continue to find more platforms and grow. Great. But that's where you can follow that. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, thank you so much, Anthony, for coming on and go check out the the shop and check out the videos, everyone, and hope you found this useful and and all the best to you. Much love. Yes, sir. Our last thing I will say, if you're you're looking uh, to just see the merch also, you can go to finance-friday.com. Okay. Finance-friday.com. We just launched the fall collection yesterday or two I oh think, congratulations uh, yeah, That's yeah, awesome. we just launched our fall collection we got some letterman jackets we got some nice uh hoodies everything's embroidered up so mm-hmm. it's a, a step up as far as quality is concerned we've been just doing t-shirts for a long time so uh you know we're definitely love to to invite you all into that journey as oh, well yeah. man go buy some merch baby go buy yeah. some merch man Go buy some merch and and follow uh aunt walker three three you said yes sir yes sir or follow aunt walker three three on instagram a lot of good content up there And uh, yeah, man, much love. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, bro. All right. Well, there you go. Um, Many thanks to Anthony for coming on and uh, telling his tale. And man, this was another one of those that I just felt so inspired by when when we got done. It was like so much fun. So hope you all enjoyed it. Um, Go check out Anthony Walker on uh, Instagram at antwalker33, A-N-T-W-A-L-K-E-R 33. Or you can uh, you can peep that merchandise at uh, www.finance-friday.com. Um, everybody be safe out there. Have a great week. Until next time. Peace.